Hello, everybody. I'm John Locke, and I'd like to welcome you to the LockingYourSuccess.com Trading Performance Podcast, where it's all about real traders, real problems, and real coaching. Listen up and enjoy the segment. For those serious about becoming successful, consistently profitable options traders, now is the time to build skills in technical analysis, market analysis, and applied volatility to get those results. We have multiple memberships, starting with our Go membership that teaches rules-based trading and our Pro membership that teaches more subjective trading. For more information, go to LockInYourSuccess.com memberships. Uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about why we might want to um, be a little bit more subjective in our trading, right? We're going to talk about the approach that a lot of people use. And I, I don't know if this applies to you or not, but it applies to probably the majority of the people who come over to this type of trading. They're in a situation where they've tried directional trading and they just determine that, hey, you know, this directional trading stuff is just not working for me. It's, I, I, you know, which makes sense because you don't understand how the market moves and you don't understand how to position size and you don't understand a, a lot of things. As a result of trading, you have false expectations that everything's going to work out all the time and you're never going to lose. And, you know, you have confidence issues and all this other stuff. So you switch over to this this type of strategy where you can find confidence in some other way and it's supposedly not subjective and it wins most of the time and you think it's going to win all the time and you try to create the perfect trade it's it's just a normal cycle for people and if you've gone through this i've gone through it it's 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 just it's the normal cycle but you want to break out of that cycle okay so i suggest you work on being coming becoming unstoppable as a trader and we do that by um combining the strategies we use and not just the strategies. One of the things about the strategies is, is you want to understand that we have an, each strategy has an entry procedure. It has an adjustment procedure. It has an exit procedure. And you'll notice the various 12 strategies that we do on the Go membership have different entry, exit, and adjustment parameters. And each of those is going to have certain benefits and certain drawbacks. And once you understand what they are, in other words, you know, I have somebody saying, well, I'm going to trade a bearish butterfly because the market's been up. Well, that's fine. And it might make a good a bearish might good make a good bearish butterfly entry, but that doesn't necessarily make a good bearish butterfly trade. Big bearish butterfly trade depends on what, whether it's a good trade or not, depends on what happens after that. So we might do a bearish butterfly entry, we might do an M3.4 U adjustment procedure, and then we may end up in a bearish vertical later because certain other things happen later on along the way that tells me to do that. Now, when you understand the market from that level and you can trade at that level, that's wonderful. When you're relying on a set of trade rules and you're hoping that they continue to perform the same way into the future, regardless of what's happening in the marketplace or whatever, uh, there's a big difference there. Right. I often have uh, traders that come up to me and say, well, you know, uh, you know, I have to trade this trade in order so that I can be confident that the trade works. And that should never be in your mindset. Just because you traded a whatever trade, it doesn't matter what it is. Just because you traded a broken wing butterfly for a year or two and you got good results has nothing to do with whether that trading strategy is going to be uh, successful into the future. It might be. 
It also may not be. It completely depends on what happens in the future. And a lot of it, and it's not about market direction. Um, it's about timing of entry to what goes on in the position. And again, what the your price movement fluctuations are. You know, if something that works in a trending market is going to have works that, that is very profitable in a trending market is going to have problems in a, in a choppy market. I guess, you know, even if you're non-directional. If you're if you're relying on that for confidence, right? That's very different than being confident that you kind of understand the market and then you can position to that market. So the confidence in the trading strategy leads to looking at your short-term results, getting that for confidence, cranking your size up like hell, having um, going through a bad period, panicking, having your confidence level shattered. And then trying to fix it in back tester, right? Filter out the loss in back tester, and then retrade, retrade the same way again, and having going through the same process over and over again. And yeah, you'll have periods of one, two, three years you make money, maybe, but you know, overall, basically you're a losing or you know break-even trader. Uh, that's what that process basically leads to. Like I said, wild fluctuations in confidence based off the wrong things. Where if I'm reliant on my ability to understand what's going on in the marketplace, then I can trade that any way that I want to trade it. We can trade that directionally. We can trade it with futures. We can trade it with verticals. We can trade it with broken wing butterflies. We can do it with condors. It doesn't matter how you trade at that point, as long as whatever you're doing matches what's most likely going on in the marketplace. And you can become confident in that, meaning you're not reliant on the results of rules at this point. You're relying, you're reliant on yourself, and you can become confident in yourself. And a loss isn't a big deal because you understand why you lost. And hey, probabilities didn't work out this time. Let's keep going with probabilities. Okay, so that's what we have. Um, anyway, that's what that's what I have here. So one of the things that I was going to do, just really quickly, I asked for a date, basically three numbers in the in the pro Skype group today. Um, Alton gave me 13. I had to come up with the other numbers myself. So these are just random numbers. So 2013, um, May 16th. Okay. I'm going to throw on, we'll go in the Russell. I'm going to throw on a position here. And let's do this. We can take either time frame, 36 or 64. It doesn't really matter. But I just want to take a look at what maybe the position is telling me. And I'm just going to do an M3 point for you, a 10 lot one. So a standard setup for that on entry is going to be short strikes, 20 points under the money, 60 point lower wing, uh, 40 point upper wing. So look at what we have here. A very different T plus zero line profile than you're used to. Okay. If you're doing this trade in 2000 and, um, 20, 2021, 2022, we do this 10 lot, 60, 40. We're actually super positive delta. Our expiration lines up into here and the total amount of capital you have in this is like maybe 15,000. This environment here, we are a little bit different. So without looking at the charts, what is this telling you? The profile of my T plus zero line is directly to rate related to my vertical skew curve in my options. And when I get a high gamma 
and I get a lot of money in the position like this and the sinks like that, I have what we call a um, vertical skew curve that's very much into a smile, right? So Chris wrote that out. That's very much into a smile. This is basically the opposite of what the actual vertical skew curve is. That means I'm getting a little extrinsic value for these. I am also paying relatively small, but compare and comparatively speaking, I'm getting less for these than I am paying. Uh, I'm getting less for these than I'm paying for in association to what we would we would have today. Okay. If my trade rules basically told me enter like we're doing this with a V32 right now, right? And we're, and we're very positive Delta, by the way, right? So we're, uh, if we can compare it to that, we're entering a V32 with a 60-40 wing, 30 days to expiration, which is closer than this. And we're generally positive Delta. Uh, certainly we have been over the last couple of years. We've been very positive Delta on that position. And we've pretty much had little or no risk on our expiration line to the upside. Okay, that is an example of not adapting to or a strategy that's that's not adapting to the environmental change. It does in the program, by the way, could we do that by varying how many days we go into expiration. But um, that would be an example of that. So here I might not like this position. First of all, it doesn't meet M3.4U guidelines for two reasons. And. Again, this is inherently built into the rule set to make the trade quote unquote adaptable. Um, our M3 for a 10 lot, it says we have to limit our capital at $2,500. We have to limit our, our um, delta to minus 15. We're over on both accounts. So to correct for this, it's going to force us into a more narrow wing width. This is essentially what you want to do um, as implied volatility drops down. Uh, I'm often asked the question, hey, you know, Russell was at 980 and now it's at, I don't know, whatever it is, 1800. And, you know, now we have to widen the wings. And the answer to that is no, it has nothing to do with how wide you, sh you should put your wings. As a matter of fact, if you go back to like 2008, um, when the asset was down at 300, you would want, you would want very wide wings. Here, with the asset price almost three times higher, I actually want more narrow wings. Your wing size is gonna be directly um, relevant to what your implied volatility skew curve is. Not the implied volatility level, right? The VIX level doesn't matter in this case. What matters is the skew curve. The skew curve is very smiley. It's creating this situation where we're overvalued. So positionally to change this, I'm gonna come into here and I'm gonna come into here, I'm gonna narrow these down. And this is gonna give me something that essentially fits into the guidelines of the day. The guidelines of the day said we had to be um, over uh, under $25,000 and we had to be you know, less than minus 15 Delta on entry and so forth. This is um, within the guidelines of the day. The reality is, is if we were doing this today by the guidelines, I wouldn't even allow this 20,000. And there's a reason for that, that I cut that back. It's for the reversal risk because the market's choppy. But if we were looking at today, today's guidelines, we would be into something like this on, uh, on actually not, we'd have to, let's see, 10. We'd have to be in between there. This actually doesn't give us Right, so we're over positive, we're over the negative, 
And then if we go the other way with two positive, this is our force adjustment increment. Um, now we're actually, no, no, we're not two positive. We get positive six delta. So this is the way we would be if we were um, maintaining our $20,000 capital limit in the position. Okay, but positionally, or the fact that I have to do this to get my, my position within guidelines, what type of environment are we in, right? A smile skew curve, high priced butterflies, forcing our wing width smaller to maintain capital levels. Um, okay, yeah, Chris says market expects less movement. Uh, yes, but we're also in a uptrending environment or an environment where essentially the institutions are not concerned about a down move. So when we're in this type of environment, what is most likely going to be the behavior pattern of the asset? This is any given asset. When we're in an abnormally, and if it and we don't know this necessarily, say this is the first time we're looking at the asset, we may not know what it normally does. But if we've been at, with the asset for a while, we know that this is a deep smile in our implied volatility skew curve. We know we are paying much more than normal. We know we're narrowing our wing size um, in order to keep into capital levels, okay? Our expectation on this, let's just make some blanket expectations, right? Grind, right, Chris makes a guess, grind higher, thank you, right? So my expectation in this type of an environment, assuming nothing changes, is that 60 days into the future or, uh, or 36 days into the future, the asset price is likely to be higher than it is now. In other words, the price probably isn't coming down. My price moves are probably going to be, my ATR is probably going to be relatively low. I can check this out on my price chart. Um, price movements are going to probably be gr grinding higher. And my general implied volatility is going to be very low. The other thing I can look at too is uh, implied volatility here versus implied volatility there. Noticing I have 1643 and I have 1743 um, from cycle to cycle. Again, that tends to be bullish. Okay, we're in the, we know our market's in the contango, and uh, my expectation is that when I get my down moves, what type of down moves should I be expecting? What should the characteristics of the down moves be? What should happen to implied volatility? When we talk about this, we talk about market sentiment. Market sentiment is down moves aren't a problem. If I get a down move, everybody's going to panic in the short term. I'm probably going to have a fairly large shift in my uh, implied volatility. And people are going to panic out of positions. It'll probably be a large move. Okay, that's what's going to happen to my my retail trader is going to like panic out of that. My institutional traders want to buy it because they're not hedging, right? There, there's not really a concern. They're looking for they're looking for buying opportunities in this market. So that being the case, I want to keep that in context in the way that I'm trading this. I want to keep in context that that hey, the market's likely to be higher in the, in 36 days, so it's likely to be up here somewhere. Uh, if I get a down move, it's going to be fast. And at support levels, support levels are likely to hold. And if they even if they, if the support, so, right, it's by the dips market. If the support level, even if it crashes, 
the institutions are probably going to come in and buy it, and it's going to whipsaw it hard. So that being the case, I generally want to be biased positive of Delta. I generally want to watch my downside for the down cycle. And when it goes down, I don't want to flatten Delta. I want to increase my sizes and maybe hold positive Delta if I can do that. Okay, so that's the type of market we're in. I may even want to be in a bullish vertical here, right? Because if I can get in a bullish vertical and it can withstand a relatively normal down move in this market environment without stopping out, then um, I'm probably going to be fine because, again, my, I don't care where the price is now. I care what's going to happen to the price over the next so many days. It's probably going to be up given this environment. And that is what I have for you today. If you have any questions or comments or anything else you'd like to see in the next Trading Performance Podcast, please list that in the comments and I'll personally answer your questions and comments for you. Also, I'd love to encourage you to come on over to LockingYourSuccess.com. That's L-O-C-K-E in your success.com and check out our trading performance and pro memberships where you can find the tools you need to become a much more effective trader regardless of the type of trading you do. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to seeing you on the next Trading Performance Podcast.